You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Yeah, this is the Owl's Oil Show with Luke Gavin, and we're here to educate you on hemp, cannabis, and all these great things going on with the plant. What's up, my man? How you doing today? Yo, what's going on? How you doing, Andrew? Good, Luke. How you doing, brother? Fabulous. Fabulous. Just excited to get this rocking and rolling. So I want to, before, because it's the first episode, I want to actually get a little bit into who you are, you know, what you were doing before you actually got into cannabis and hemp, because I always think that that's a very interesting thing, you know, for people to talk about and to, and to understand and then what it was that bridged you to get into actually the industry. So let's start off with where'd you grow up? And, you know, what were your passions and interests at young life, let's say? Great. Well, look, um, I'm sure as you can uh, hear on the accent there, I come from Ireland, Dublin, bred and born. I lived there for the first, you know, 22 years of my life. And when I was doing my bachelor's of business studies, I ended up getting what's called a J-1 visa. And the J-1 visa allows you to come to America and experience the American culture, get a job. And that basically, you know, turned into me as a, as a young man, enjoying myself, not getting a job. And uh, I ended up falling in love. And I basically had a long distance relationship for, you know, four or five years. And once I graduated, I ended up moving over to Boston. And I'd always worked in the high-end uh, drinks industry. And I mean, when I like when I came to America, it's pretty funny when people talk about like, oh, this bar is too packed. I'd open the door and I'm like, what do you mean? This place is half empty because like in Ireland, it's like you're packed as sardines. And so our main thing, I mean, I worked at a at a at a bar called the Bagot Inn. It's it's infamous in Dublin. And Okay, and how was, let let's 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 kind of get to Slow down for a second. How old were you when you were working in the bar in, in that bar? How old were you? Oh, I mean, I was I started in the bar trade when I was probably around like 15 stocking, you know, stocking shelves and then you know, oh wait, you got to work your way up. Everyone's got to start somewhere. I mean, going back in the day, I mean, I always liked to work. It was 6 a.m. paper round is how I started when I was like 12. Okay. And then it was stocking shelves and then it was into the bar trade. And then I got corporate America when I moved over here. And but before um, we get to corporate America, okay, yeah, you uh, you're, me you're, down you're, here. you're in the, you're yeah. in the bar, you're yeah. working in an Irish fucking bar. Yeah. 16 to what? 18, 20 years old. 16 probably. to like 21, yeah, 22. 21. Oh, yeah. yeah. 22. And, and yeah. what was it like in that bar? Like, give me an idea of an Irish bar. Well, I, so, okay. I'll give you two sides, right? So, one is, is I used to work for, uh, before I got to sort of the higher end of the bar trade, I worked in another nightclub that, I mean, man, we used to, we used to basically work like crazy shifts. The bar would close at around two in the morning. Okay. And I mean, we would sit there until seven, eight, nine in the morning and drinking really hanging out drinking yeah. all night i mean it was like you're coming out like vampires you open up the shutter and the sun's out sure. you're like, oh my god sure. 
And the beers are like, do you like the darker? I, I myself personally. You know, I'm not I, into yeah. the stouts. I'm not okay. into the. I'm okay. not into the stouts. I mean, I'll just say this: you pay for it the next day. You okay. pay for it the next day. Okay. Time. Okay, I got you. And and you're saying they're in general they're a lot more packed and it's a different atmosphere than the American bars. Yeah, big time. I mean, it's definitely a lot of camaraderie. Okay. Um, there's just a lot more. I don't know how do I put it. It just seems like there's a there's a very big difference between like getting wasted and really enjoying yourself. It's a fine sure, line because sure, I feel like sure, it's sure it's we definitely enjoy ourselves to the point where I know you could sort of call it wasted, but you're not uh there's just like this there's an energy. I mean, have you ever been to Ireland yourself? You know, I I, I went to Ireland and I was younger. And so I didn't get to enjoy that beer experience, but I was in Dublin and I was in Shannon, which yep. is like such a beautiful, lush green, like unbelievably, you know, wonderful place. But I didn't get to experience it. I would love to, you know, because I think, you know, Ireland and, you know, the UK, yep. going to the bars is a whole different experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'd come down on a Sunday, especially with the the football and football. By that, I mean soccer. Sure, right? You, uh -huh. you go down to the you yep. go down to the pub on a Sunday, and you sit there and you you drink, you hang out with your friends, and uh, just great. Honestly, you have to laugh. But I will tell you this: I mean, I've really, you know, I've grown out of that now a little bit. I mean, I'm really, really focused on business. Yeah, and, for sure. And it's just I, uh, you know, I have a drink here and there, but I've really now, I've, I, I prefer honestly, I prefer uh, most D eight. I mean, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, with you, and, we'll, and, we'll, and yeah, so we'll get into that. You know, you were doing bars, doing that stuff in Ireland. You come to the United States at what age? Twenty two. All right, so you come to US twenty two. What do you end up doing? Well, I first, I couldn't get a job in the bar industry, honestly. It, you need to know people in Boston. Sure. Oh, okay. So you here. moved to Boston. And what oh, is, Boston, baby. That's a good place. Park your car in Harvard Yard. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool place to go from Ireland to Boston. I mean, if you went to anywhere in the U.S., that's probably a good, from Ireland, a spot where I think you'd probably meet a lot of cool people and, yeah, and shit like that, sure. you know, and Massachusetts is you know uh one of the i believe is one of the legal yeah is the legal recreational yep. state for cannabis you know is one of the more forward thinking states in the united states you know so you start looking into the bar industry and then what happens i couldn't get a job you know i didn't i didn't have the in i didn't have the click and as much as i tried to go in with my irish accent and hey you know, come help out Luke here. I swear on the best. And, yeah. You know, let me in. If you don't know anyone, you're Done. shit out of luck. Done. So what'd you do? Would you believe I ended up working for this company? Um, I ended up working for this company that basically does. It was in a, a first experience working in a call center. Okay. Uh, where okay. we did market research. Okay. And basically, it was sort of an odd thing. You, you basically would contact companies 
pretending that we do market research okay. so that okay. uh, you could get all the market data and then that would be basically tabulated and then a, a, a document would be basically all the information would come together and then I would be given to a client. So I had to really learn how to talk on the phone, how to, you know, be able to engage people. And I mean, that's a good, that's a good job. I mean, you know, that's a hard job because you got to deal with all these people. You got a cold call, but you also like yeah. have to understand, you start understanding like what people are attentive to, what they're interested, this, you know, like all kinds of stuff. So that, that's a, you know, it's a very interesting job. And how long did you do that for? I did that for, I did that for like a couple of years. I actually really enjoyed that. It was easy going, you know, it was easy going. Not bad. Comfortable. You're in Boston, you're chilling, yeah, you're, you're making Boston, enough money to live. The tea, yeah, yeah. Getting the tea, yeah. you know, going into Boylston Street. I was right, you're in a right sure. in Boylston Street, heart sure. of Boston. And, um, you know, I just, I wanted, I wanted something more. I just, I, I, I wanted something more and I'll never forget it. I finished up with that company and then I ended up working for another, a billion dollar recruiting company called Aerotech. Okay. And that company really helped me. I actually got fired. I actually got fired from that company uh, after like working there for six months, but it really taught me a level, a high level to operate at. And the, the, the CEO at the time, um, oh God, Ryan Khalil is his name, was somebody that, somebody that taught me how to operate in a space where fear, because in the recruiting industry, fear is, is predominantly like, you got your 30 days. If you don't get your shit done by this time, you're out of here and someone else yeah, is replacing yeah. you. Oh, yeah. And you it's learn, like, ruthless. Survival it, of the fittest. Yes. Attitude. And it's yeah, and it is ruthless. And so So you went from you uh, went from independent, kind of doing your thing, you go in, you do calls, you get out, you do whatever the fuck. You don't really have too many people bugging the shit out of you because you kind of have a script, right? Yes. You kind of have a product, you do your fucking magic, you're trying to like understand people, and then you go into like, oh, I'm going to be in this more corporate level, doggy dog, and then you got this guy's in this atmosphere where it's like, if you can't cut a motherfucker, you're gone. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and, so. and Ryan Ryan had a different approach, right? And the, and the belief is, which I stand by and how I run my business now, is that if you've got people who are afraid of losing their jobs all the time, they're not really that focused. There's always that thing in the back of their head. Sure. And it ends up um, like if someone is to be fired, they should already know that that's coming. There should have been a clear structure in place. Hey, sure. do, and, and it always comes back sure. to the business. Do you have enough support? Sure. Okay. You made this mistake. Do you have enough support? Okay. Yeah. No, you didn't. Okay. Next stage. Okay. Well, Hey, we, we, we went over what happened there last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, it seems like we were the, at fault the first time and now it's sort of coming up again. Where else is it? Is there anything else we can give you here to, you know, do your job more effectively or is there any more resources training? Okay, cool. Now it comes to number three and it's like, look, and I got there, right? I got there. And, and, uh, and at the time I was your drinking party animal yeah. that uh -huh. didn't really give a fuck. 20s, and you're in it, your 20s. You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I'll never forget it. I mean, I, 
I had a crazy Paddy's weekend where I basically partied for three days and I forgot that it was Monday, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I, and I, and I, and I, so Monday wakes up, I look and I'm like, holy shit, it's Monday. And, uh, I, again, that was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back. There was that last one. And then there was one last hiccup. And you know what, when that door closed for me, it, it left me, it left me craving more. And I realized that a, as an entrepreneur, it's sort of hard sometimes to, uh, how do I put it? It's like somebody else's dream is how they want to have it be. And if you don't align to that or you disagree with that and you speak up about that, you're out at some point in time, you're yeah. a disruption. Yeah. 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 And yeah, exactly. Uh huh. And, and I didn't, sure. obviously I, I tell you, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from all the mistakes, everything that I, all the mistakes I made from like, I didn't get along with the new manager. Okay. okay, well, guess what? I, I ended up and I only was able to reflect on this afterwards where I just could not see, I could not see that, guess who was the issue? I was. Now, when I was in the job, when I was in the job, you're all asshole. Yeah, motherfucker. You're all, you're all fucking micromanaging me. She doesn't know her job. And you know what happened then? I started to, and I started to poison everybody else. And you know what? And this is, and this is what will happen. And I only realized this afterwards is that sometimes you can be really upset and you want to complain and you want to bitch about other people. And 99% of the time, the people who are listening to you are going to go, poor you. I totally get it. Yeah. That person is a bitch or whatever it is. But guess what? Afterwards, they're like, Oh yeah, Luke's having some issues, whatever it is. It's a completely different tune. But when you're in that zone, it's like you get this feedback where you're like, yeah, everyone agrees with me. Sure. Everyone agrees with me. It's this woman here. And then eventually I kicked myself out of that company because I was the poison. Sure. And you only hindsight's always 2020, right? So I uh I learned I learned a lot. I learned a lot from that. And um and then after that, I mean, I was pretty fortunate. I had a friend. I had a friend who grew a lot of cannabis. He grew a lot of cannabis. Okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, and is and this now? Time, is this like a few years later? And are you like twenty five, twenty six? This is just as my after I got fired. After I got fired from my early twenties. Early twenties. Yeah, probably in twenty four. Yeah. Maybe twenty four, yeah, twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, what do you know? medical cannabis is now a thing and uh and i'm and i'm being a marijuana caregiver is is something that is completely legal and yeah there of was, course at, and, and at the time there was a lot of marijuana patients in massachusetts oh, and yeah. the whole system in massachusetts sort of imploded because they gave out all the cards and this is prior to recreational Yes, this is prior this to was just when it was medical under yeah, medical the terms only. of Massachusetts. Yeah, they didn't at that. So what happened was is that they had this whole idea. There was going to be, you know, 50 licenses given out. They released all the patient cards. And then what happened? Big investigation. All and good old. This is Boston for you, right? 
good old, uh, oh, well, guess who got all these licenses? Well, it was, you know, friends of policemen, friends of politicians, sure. uh, you know, whoever you, whoever you're lying in the pockets with. And so they ended up scrapping the whole deal. Uh, and what happened was, is that we had an abundance of patients that now had nowhere to get their so meds. So they needed care, the caregivers, essentially. So you could yes. do grow six plants per patient or... If yep. a doctor allowed you because of their condition to grow more, were you allowed to? Well, what would happen is we we couldn't we couldn't be profiting off of it now. We'd have to accept donations, you know, for our travel and everything sure. like that. Sure. But it really got me it really got me into the industry and I'll be perfectly honest. Also with learning it. how to grow though. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? Well, yeah. I'm never I'm never going to be the grower. I had a lot of as I said ah, my friend was a grower sure. and he grew extremely good cannabis. So you helped the um, entrepreneurial. The yeah, you got the caregivers, yeah. you got the people that they needed yeah. this, you know, stuff like that. And when I first came to America, I mean, Look, Ireland is still like, hey, that 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 devil's lettuce stuff, oh. the stuff that's getting oh. people uh, oh, schizophrenia. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. you got the church back home in Ireland. Oh, you get yeah. caught with a few joints. It's like oh. they've got helicopters flying around and looking for heat signatures in yeah. houses yeah, because yeah. everyone grows in their attics. Yeah, yeah, Ridiculous yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I never, I thought the medical thing was complete bullshit. I was okay. like, these people in America, they're saying it's for medical. They're all getting high as fuck. And, uh, and then, you know what? And I, how I, good, how I, good, let me ask you something though. When you were in Ireland, did you ever smoke the ganj? Oh yeah, I was a, I mean, I, for me, I was, you know, I was the person when, when I went to school, I got in in the morning and I'd smoke pot with my friends. Okay. That so was, I was not the, I was after, not the grade A student. Okay. No. So after, after having weed in Ireland and living this life and then you come to America, come to Boston, was the weed like just beyond better? Like, was it uncomprehendable? Was it like similar? Were you just so, shocked? Like, what was the what was variety. the variety? So, I think that the the main thing that popped out for me was coming from Ireland when I left there. It was just like, who's got some weed, right? Maybe it's hash. It was hash for a while. Very and then popular there was a in Europe. Big bust. There was a huge bust ah. of like metric tons of hash and then sure. suddenly everything started and then it was like oh people have got weed it's not hash anymore it's sure. weed yeah yeah and it was not like oh i've got this strain i've got that strain it's like i just have some who's weed. got some weed yeah great sure and uh and i mean we paid through the teeth for it but now i think about it i mean i look at logistics right hey you gotta it's we're on an island there's not a lot of people growing it. Now it's probably different, but everything sure. has to be imported. Sure, And sure. just any travel, any of this sure. sort of extra work to get it in there, that's prices going through the roof. So, I mean, we used to pay like 50 euros for two grams. Wow. So if that, look at that as, you know, you're looking at around sure. maybe 70 bucks for two grams. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, and it's like, hey, you know someone, okay, cool, go see them. Quick sort of like you're in, the equivalent of like the hood yeah. and it's like, okay, you see the guy they're in the, you know, it's like the, the projects effectively, yeah. all the people had the good weed are in the projects. You go into this area and it'd be like, you see a few kids giving a whistle. There's people coming in type of thing. Sure. And it was the sketchiest thing ever. And you go, you'd see a guy. Oh yeah. How you doing? Quick handshake. I'm out of here. And then you yeah. look in your car yeah. afterwards yeah. and you're like, so then you the come, you see, this? you come to yeah. Boston you fucking see 
grow operate. I mean, even if they were small, people fucking growing it. You probably didn't see that, you know. No way. Then, I'd never yeah. seen it grow. Yeah. I'd then, never seen it grow. And then you, yeah, and then you start seeing all the buds and the plants and the different kinds and this. Were you just like blown away? Pig in muck. Pig in muck. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And then to tell my friends about it, I mean, and now I look at it like you know, seeing a little six plants now is like you think of where cannabis has come. It's like oh. that's nothing. Oh, you know, that's nothing oh. at all. Oh, and now I see these like hundred lighters and stuff, and I'm just like, holy crap! Yeah, try it, try it. Yeah, ones that are even way bigger than that out yeah, here. Yeah, thousand lights at this stage. There's, I mean, Andrew, yeah. you're you're light yeah. years ahead of yeah, yeah. you know you you you've been on the other side of the coin where. You know, you were probably, I don't know, you were probably seeing all of this light years before uh, I was even out. Yeah, I mean, I was throughout with a lot of the activists, you yeah. know, a lot of the people trying to make it legal. So I've been in that since the 90s. So for a long time, definitely been seeing how much of a difference is in the stigma changing and, you know, state by state changing yeah. and seeing, you know, politics and like what you're saying, the devil's lettuce, the reefer's madness. All these, yeah, all this shit that even is still to this day, you know, I mean... We'll get more into the one next topic of what I was talking about because I first want to talk about the company then getting into things like that. But even you changing over and going into a hemp slash cannabis business. Yep. There's some people that say you're a drug dealer. You understand? Like, you, yeah. you feel me? Because yeah. they don't think cannabis or hemp is good. That, that's, it's a negative connotation. They don't look yeah. at it for its health benefits. They look at it that you're a, a less of an individual, you know, a, yeah, a, de a degenerate or, you know, something less of what someone who doesn't, who's, who's fell for the reefer madness, yeah. you know, believes, right? And I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of those people have never even tried it. Right. They've never even uh, yep. even experienced it. And they just, you know, they bought into it. They yeah. bought into it and they said, I'm never going near that stuff. And uh, I think, look, I mean, more and more evidence is just compiling. At some point, it's like you can't. Oh, yeah. Because of technology. Yeah. That's why the United States, as of now, the last polling is 90% of the population feels it should be legal. 90% fucking huge, massive, gigantic numbers. So you start working with your guys in Boston, genetics, marketing, putting shit together. How long does this go for? Uh, that went for a few years, you know, right. and then nice. um, I went for a few years and then I realized that uh, I didn't have millions of dollars. Right. That was Massachusetts. I, I mean, I tried. I mean, I tried to get I mean, we were lobbying, you know, we were going into the state house. I was wow. like, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm an advocate here and I tried to, you know, get other caregivers together to try to, 
you know, secure a, a place because what was happening was is that the more and more big businesses were coming in, um, it ended up that oh, suddenly it's like, well, we don't want any uh, caregivers. We don't want, you know, home grows or we don't want delivery services. Sure. And uh, there's only so much you can do as yourself. And eventually, eventually I just saw the writing on the wall. And uh, I got you. And yeah. And then so and I also have my son coming along and I was just like, we'd come to Oregon and it reminded me of Ireland a lot. Good food, good people. Okay. And a lot of green, right? And not just cannabis, but like the forests and everything oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, yeah, I got you. Compared and then, to Boston. And then my son, yeah, yeah and then Boston, different. I was just sick of the traffic. Sure. And I just was like, okay, that's it. We're moving. And you moved to Oregon and owls doesn't immediately come into your vision, right? That you first get no. there. What what happens? No, I um you know, I I was just really trying to find my place. I got involved in the community a lot. I, uh, I, I, there's a, a gentleman called Aaron Getty and he, um, he was the founder of the Southern Oregon cannabis commerce mixer. That oh, okay. was one of the longest running, uh, cannabis commerce mixers. Sure. And, um, basically I got to know a lot of people and you ever go to the, uh, Oregon County fair. I hear it's the fucking coolest oh, thing that, ever. I went to the 50th anniversary of that. I mean, that was, if you like Burning Man, I mean, yeah, yeah. this is apparently, so oh, apparently yeah. this is like originating before yeah. Burning Man and yeah. Burning Man spawned. And after from the, county fair. the festival is over, it's the people that stay there, all the vendors and everything. It's what happens after the fair after. actually. Yeah. That's what's fucking yeah, that's wild. The, yeah, I didn't know about it. So I went there on the 50th anniversary and uh, yeah, sure. We didn't have a pass to stay at night. So didn't get to experience it. But even just during the day, it was incredible. so much fun. So much so fun, much right? Fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. How many years are you in, the, in Oregon now? God, I think it's uh, probably coming on three, coming on three years three. right now. And um, so you definitely, yeah, you just, definitely could work your magic and get a pass, and definitely do a nighttime experience. Oh yeah, fair. now I'm good. Now I got the friends. Like, oh yeah, we got the friends. <laughs> we, we, oh, we got you. We got you. We got you, brother. We're fine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, all you gotta do is put a booth there. You should put an Owls Oil booth well, that, at the fucking like. festival. And now I got something to give. And you know that's what, I mean? all, yeah. that's what it's about. If you gotta, yeah. you gotta give something back, and then yeah. you gotta party and have some fun in the yeah. in the evening time. Absolutely. So now we'd absolutely. If you can secure it, it's like, again, you got to know the people. You got to know the people. Make it but, happen. Uh, we're manifesting yeah, now, that, we're manifesting yeah, that sure. shit right now. It's happening right now. It is happening right now. So what you start, you, you decided, what made you get into like hemp and wanting to start the company? What was the inspiration of it? Honestly, I just have a good intuition. I have a, I have a, I have a good intuition and... Um, I just started... I, I've always been a fan of quality. I like... I like like I said, I worked in a high-end bar. Sure. I uh, I worked for an excellent recruiting company. Uh-huh. I I like my my thing. I like food. Nice. I like I like yeah. good food, like Michelin yeah. star restaurants. Sure. And that's like where I like to spend my money. Sure. Um, I don't really spend a lot on cars or anything like that. Yeah. It's not really my thing. I got you. Um, and honestly, with a business, you hardly have any money because it gobbles up all of us. Uh, yeah, at least yeah. when you get started. <laughs> yeah. So um. So basically, I 
first of all, on the I, I learned a lot from Massachusetts, and you know, there's a lot of black market crap that ends up in states that don't have any medical marijuana or sorry if they have medical but they don't even have recreational sure and i was just seeing a lot of just junk you know back in the day of like wick cartridges sure which are mixed with back in the day i mean we're talking yeah. about propylene glycol and this stuff called distillate and it was like this is like super potent stuff and they somehow purify the oils yeah. like yeah. like just yeah. I, i'll tell you this i i uh the first time I ever tried BHO was at a friend in, in Massachusetts, and he um, he had a, a he had a PVC a white PVC pipe, and it had like a showerhead bottom on it, and he put all of his weed inside, and then he blasted he it with the butane container. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's the old and, school way. That was I mean, old. We, dangerous, we, uh, dangerous, dangerous. Luckily, it was just such a dangerous. small amount. But I mean, we, <laughs> we let this thing sit outside in the sun and watch yeah, it yeah. bubble for maybe sure, like sure. 15, 20 minutes, and then like us all Irish guys were like, "Holy shit, what's that wax stuff left?" And we wrapped up a joint and we put it on the outside of the joint. Oh. I mean, this thing was still bubbling. Out it was, of your it brain. Was Covered in butane. Oh I yeah, mean, you must have been so we were, high. Must have been so high in butane. Beyond, but I, uh, but we tried that, and I was like, "Holy crap!" And when I was actually working in Aerotech, I had a friend who, the first time ever, he showed me the first vape cartridge, and okay. I remember, sure. you know, me, me being from Ireland, and it was like, you know, we also we don't really smoke pure weed joints. That's and sure. that's a funny thing. You don't even say sure. that here, a pure weed joint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for, in yeah. Ireland, that's what we'd call it because typically everything is mixed with tobacco we yeah, smoke a lot of a spliff, spliffs a spliff yeah okay yeah, yeah and exactly, because it makes yeah. it last longer sure, is what they say sure, so sure. coming over here having like oils or even just smoking pure weed joints it took me a long time to transition because sure. i was so used to tobacco and i couldn't handle smoking a joint yeah it just wasn't i couldn't handle it and then to see this like whoa what are these oils and then my friend yeah. as i said in aerotech had this pen and I was like, sure. mind blown. Yeah, of Push course. this button, inhale, yeah. discreet, evaporates quickly. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, everybody thought it was an e-cigarette. Yeah, this is before absolutely. no one even, we were absolutely. on planes, absolutely. in the airport. For years, years before caught on. Years before caught on. Going, checking everything, checking everything through the airport, thinking, oh, yeah, they have no idea. Oh, you know, yeah, everybody, everybody, here. everybody for years and years and years. But then there's only so much time only where so fucking much time. everybody does it. Yeah. And then they catch on. Yeah. And then they say, no more vapes on a plane. No, no more, more of this, none of this, no more whatever. You know, like all these so different things. Like whatever. A little, yeah, little yeah. sneaky, little yeah. sneaky one. Yeah, well, <laughs> blow sneak, it down. Sneak, sneak a toke. <laughs> <laughs> sneaky toke so um i realized after that I, I i i saw i saw just a gap in the market i saw i saw a gap in the market and um and so again i started going to different conventions and meeting a lot of these distributors um in china and at the end of the day i just wanted something that was better and that's where owls really came from Owls, Owls was 
you know, I put it, it's like owls. How do I put it here? It's like owls is, it's like its own classification of bird, right? It's like, it's its own thing. It's like you got the eagles and then you got sort of owls. It's, it's like, it's a predator. It's silent in the night. It has uh, a lot of insight. An owl is very wise. Sure. And so we sort of took on a lot of those attributes for this business and we started putting out products that were ahead of the curve. Okay. And, you know, everyone was using ceramics and we ended up then going for quartz coils and sure. the quartz, I'm sure anyone who's dabbing will know it's like, there's nobody dabbing off, off ceramic. Sure. Right. Everyone's dabbing off quartz because sure. quartz is, is just far better in, in, in terms of how it holds the heat in sure. terms of how much electricity it uses. Yeah. And so the whole vape gate scandal was going on and everyone was cutting their products and yeah, it was yeah. just disgraceful, honestly. Sure. And, um, we came out of the gate then with cartridges that were, had the etching on them. I always, I, you know, when I used to enjoy all these cartridges, I'd be like, how do I know which one's yeah, which? Yeah, for sure. That's, and, that's a good and, point. And all yeah. of this extra work, uh-huh. it's extra work, right? There's oh a yeah. Lot of it costs like more, a lot harder yeah. to do that shit. For sure. Everything. Yeah. Everything. So, yeah. and then we, and then, and then I looked at, you know, okay, well now we wanted batch numbers. We wanted accountability. And That's so, great. Yeah. So we started putting all that together and then we were focused on, okay, well, how are we going to package this? And again, I just, just looking at uh, other brands, I just, I was always unimpressed. Honestly, these blister packs, these one time use, just, I, I think the marijuana is like, marijuana industry as a whole is great but like the one-time use packaging and all of these just like it goes to waste and it just goes somewhere sure and so we want it to be as sustainable as possible absolutely and and i mean then of course you've got delta eight starts coming online sure and so and delta eight and but but you when you made al's oils were you making cbd products and then and then went over to Delta 8 or what exactly happened? Because it sounds like you started OWLS before you started concentrating on Delta 8. So we had, we we had tried, we had tried our best um, to get things going with, with OWLS beforehand, but nothing, you know, we'd made our own like carts and, and stuff like that back in the day, but it was nothing that was... It was nothing that was to shout about. Let's just put it like that. Okay. And so we, you know, R and D learning curve. Yeah, a lot of a lot of R and D. Yeah, exactly. A lot of R and D. And uh, and on the CBD side, CBD is a hard one to crack. I mean, it, it crystallizes very easily. And so after a lot of R and D on that side, um, it just we it was difficult to make a product that it was difficult to make a product that that didn't crystallize. And at the end of the day, I mean, CBD has Now, is that because of using isolate over oil or is that even in both cases? Any high potency, whether it's distillate or it's an isolate, CBD just loves to crystallize. Okay. Loves to crystallize. And obviously no one enjoys a cartridge that is uh, solid. So, yeah. um, But does that, how does that decrystallize? Can heat decrystallize it regardless or no? Yeah, you can, um, so you can, couple of ways to do it i mean yes if you wanted to which isn't a long-term viable option is like hey 
here, get your hair dryer out and just heat it. And, and it, you know, it will go back to a liquid, but that's not feasible for somebody who wants to utilize a cartridge consistently. Sure. And yeah, no, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sure. so, so what you can actually do is you can utilize CBDA, which is the acidic uh, cannabinoid, the non-activated. It's like you either have acidic cannabinoids or activated cannabinoids. And CBDA doesn't doesn't like to crystallize in the same way uh, as CBD. It definitely can crystallize, um, but it doesn't do so in the same way as CBD. Now, CBDA is it decarboxylated? It's the precursor before. So CBD is the is the after effect. CBDA is the precursor for CBD. So and how it, do you extract just that and how do you add that in to make it not as crystally? Um, so what happens is, is that it's just any majority, all cannabinoids are predominantly in their acidic versions before heat is applied. So if you think about, um, if you think about, let's say back, in, okay, think about like when you are making your brownies back in the day, right? It's like, oh, well, you get all your weed or your, whatever you've got left over, you put it in some oil and you put that on heat. Well, the reason you do that and, and what you see when you see those bubbles is the carbon uh, dioxide or carbon that's coming off of this. And okay. uh, so that's what it is. Decarboxylation um, is what happens where the carbon dioxide is actually being removed. And then it is now activated. If you think sure. about when you smoke, sure, you light it because why? If you were to just eat it, it would be THCA which is the acidic version sure. before you get to Delta nine. Sure. And, um, and it ends up being that it's, uh, it's orally active. So, um, with any cannabinoids, they stay in the acidic versions until heat has been applied. And so with this situation, so you could do ethanol, butane, CO2. It's more after when you have to recollect your solvents that either, too high a heat is used, or if it's going to distillate, you don't really have a choice because it has to be decarboxylated before it's distilled. Sure, sure. So, so when it comes to the CBD cartridges, and then coming back to compliancy, right? Trying to have a, a, a THC-free or a fully compliant product sure. was extremely hard to sure, do at the time. Sure. And um, and so you know, after a lot of R and D. We basically ended up with uh, with Delta Eight was beginning to come online. Nice, and I had a lot of friends that were, you know, heavily involved in the industry in Oregon. Yeah, and there's and a lot of hemp, a lot of hemp growing, huge fucking. A lot of tea, a yeah. lot of tea being grown as well, sure. and uh, and basically, um, basically, I, I just was. A, I was I was ecstatic when I started to learn about Delta Eight because Water Clear had started to come out and people were talking about like Water Clear, like but it wasn't perceived at the time of of it being Delta Eight. It was just it's Water Clear distillate now, and what do you know? Well, Water Clear distillate was actually Delta Eight, and now when I mean I heard from friends. It must have been like a year or two before even this hit where we were talking about, you know, you can convert CBD to Delta nine and you can convert CBD to Delta eight. And 
I think you learn, you learn a lot. You always, we always learn from our mistakes. And I, I feel like I sat with that for a while. I waited for approval from either talking to other people about it, seeing what their thoughts were on it. Now I just be like, I talk to the attorneys. What do you think? Okay, it's good. Let's go. Whereas there was a little bit of uh, hesitation and fear that sort of stalled the ball with that. Sure. And, um, and then once it started, I mean, rest is history. Right. Yeah, then it was infusing with gummies. Sure. We had some, we had some phenomenal gummies. Um, and again, it was, it was sort of focused on the CBD side has its place, but Delta eight has really shown how much people want relief and that people who are even in States that don't have legalization would prefer to buy from a store than having to go to the black market. Oh yeah, of course. Sure. So you create the gummies and what other products? Uh, there was the gummies, cartridges, then came the nano caps. The, and to this day, I mean, there's not a lot of companies that are offering uh, nano. I haven't actually seen any. Uh, the nano capsules, just to you know, let the listeners know if they don't know, but uh, basically nano encapsulation is a process whereby you effectively make the molecule smaller. Look at it as like you break it up into smaller pieces. And when you do that, there's basically less processing that has to go on in the body. In the body and the absorption rate is a lot yeah, higher. Yeah, it's increased because yeah. what happens is, is that um, whether you consume Delta 8 or Delta 9, in your, uh, in your liver, it basically converts into 11-hydroxy-THC. And that is, that is the effect that we feel when we eat edibles. Delta eight converts into that uh, at a lower rate than Delta nine. So that's why you need to have more Delta eight uh, to get the sort of, to get similar like effects. Whereas when you consume Delta eight nano or any nano product for that matter, it's going directly into the bloodstream and isn't going to the liver. So when that's bypassed, you basically get the true experience of what Delta-8 is. And um, for a lot of people, they don't know that. And a lot of people don't want to get too high or don't want to be, you know, for want to, you know, turn into the couch potato, right? And, and yeah. with edibles, yeah, it's for sure. hard to not be sedated. And with Delta-8 Nano, you get those sativa, those sativa-like effects, the awareness, the clarity of the mind. Okay. And when you have it in a capsule, sure. You can just you dial in your dose. Our gummies are 50 milligrams. They're potent for a reason. Our 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 nano caps are only 10 milligrams. Now, so would you, you find that the nano cap? I know you can't make any medical claims. No medical but, claims here. No medical <laughs> claims, but would you say that? personally or generally it might help one with memory with memory i i'm not sure i mean i, I but alertness I, alertness or like well, sure like, what i would mean you, for sure i mean it's like, i think everyone who used delta a can clearly say i mean the feedback we've been getting from our from our clients and anecdotally so from end users is is remarkable it's and and we've now got a we've 
we've really tried to make as much improvement as possible. We have uh, a, a review team now that is basically consists of end users, wholesalers, and employees of the business, That's where great. we will release the products to the review team before okay. it hits the market nice. so that we can make sure to get as much feedback as possible sure. because there is some times where you know okay especially with carts maybe maybe we could have had less terpenes in there maybe we could have had a little more terpenes well you know sure. what it would have been good if we had a team because i can give my own best judgment i can get a few other people to give their best judgment but when you have a group of people that's when you actually really hit home and, and get sure. the, get the hard numbers sure yeah of course so, I mean, look, there's no question at all. The studies in Israel that have been done where Delta Aid is, uh, is an anti-emetic. And what that means is it basically inhibits vomiting. And in okay. 100% of the cases where um, uh, a gentleman called, Mc, I'm going to butcher this name, McCollum. Mishulam, you're talking about, yeah, Dr. Yeah, Mishulam. okay, Mishulam. There yeah, you for go, sure. Mishulam. Thanks for saving me there. My uh, Israeli Mishulam. buddy. Yes, there you go. Uh, he did a study where uh, they had a lot of sick kids. I think it was like uh, eight in the study. And they were going through whether it was chemo or just basically having issues with vomiting a lot. And in 100% of those cases, they completely stopped the vomiting. Wow. So anyone who feels nauseous, uh, I would even think, you know, for ladies on their time of the month, for people who are on boats, sure, sure, um, sure. for people oh. who have anxiety, any of, any yeah, of that, yeah, it just yeah. brings this sort uh -huh. of uh, this calmness and and any sort of nausea. It's anti-inflammatory as well. A lot of um, anti-inflammatory properties as well. Wow, that's great. So the capsules are usually a kind of a preventative, almost like one once a day, just good yeah. to have in the body. Smaller Especially milligram. for older users. Yeah, it's definitely sure. for older users sure. too, where they don't want to get too baked. And what they'll do is, is they might take one, a 10 milligram. They're good. And take them in the morning with their other pills, right? And um, and it's perfect for them. And it and it really helps them to get the consistency of the dose. For you know, if you don't, if you can't handle a, a 50 milligram, I mean, then you're gonna cut that in half. Sure. And maybe that you cut it a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, but getting sure. that consistent dose is uh, is 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 somewhat hard to do. So when you've something in a capsule form, it yeah. is uh, it's perfect. You hit the dose every single time, yeah, and you can dial in two works for me, perfect. I got you. Yeah, then you could slowly get to where you feel the milligrams is, and it's something. Do you, you suggest to take at night before you go to bed, or is it a morning pill? Gummies, gummies before oh, the, bed the, for the, sure. The capsules. I mean, to, uh, one thing I've learned is it's like to each their own. For some people, like these okay. elderly people, they were taking the capsules at night. They have a wonderful sleep. Sure. For me personally, I mean, I I'd like to take two. That's twenty milligrams in the morning, and it just the best way to describe it is is like it's that feeling when you're in the sun and you just feel good in the day and you're smiling and you're like, sure. oh, I just feel so good right now, and then you're like. Oh yeah, I forgot about taking those capsules this morning. So oh, that's yeah. sort of how it just—it's yeah. this sort of clear, feel-good experience. It's not lethargic. It's very, as I said, the main difference between Delta Eight and Delta Nine is the clarity. There's a haziness that comes, I find, with Delta Nine for a lot of people. Um, sure. 
there's definitely others that seem to get the same effects that I get from Delta eight, but they get it from Delta nine. Sure. And so everybody's everybody's uh, endocannabinoid system is is a little different in how it responds to cannabinoids. Yeah, of course. So um, it's just something that uh, to some people they use it for sleep. I mean, predominantly it's it's sativa. Sativa awake, sure. very different compared to the gummies. Sure. Very different. So if you're struggling with sleep, if it's if you're struggling with sleep, it's 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 the gummies. I mean, they'll put you out. And then you've uh being a smoker, you thought that it would be great not only to have carts, but to also incorporate uh joints and even uh ones rolled uh like a blunt yeah so now we start to have fun with all of this right where we've got hemp and hemp has to be you know total delta 9 compliance and now we can infuse delta 8 in there which has a mild psychoactive effect and you have something that now you can go to your local smoke shop, you can pick up a blunt or some pre-rolls or a pinner and boom, you're off to the races now. And, and do you and just you put great. the, do you put the Delta eight on the inside of the blunt and then do yeah, it that we way? Infuse it, so we infuse it directly into once into the grinded material. And what oh, that gives okay. you is, what it gives you is, is we've got nine different cannabinoids in our, um, nine different cannabinoids in our in our blunts pre-rolls and pinners and we use the best oregon hemp and oregon is in my opinion oregon is is probably one of the best places in the world for growing cannabis or hemp it's been sure. so for years sure and it's the climate here that is um just sets it apart from everyone else that's so, awesome yeah we 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 get our hemp from williams williams is renowned for it's it's cannabis and at the end of the day you want people who grew cannabis to grow your hemp hell yes hell yes. yes man it was so great conversing with you on the first episode of owls oils do you have any like shout outs or anything out to anybody shout outs i mean you know, who am I going to... I mean, look, you got to shout out to Aaron Getty, uh, Southern Oregon Cannabis Commerce Mixer. Um, you know, I got to just give a shout out to any of the Owls family that is now listening to this. And um, it's been quite the ride. And to get to this point now where it is, it's been tremendous. I want to I shout out, obviously, to the whole Owls team. It, this, is not, this is not a me thing. This is the Owls team. And... Um, yeah, just a lot more coming on. Make sure to look, check out our YouTube channel. Search for Owls Oil Delta 8 on YouTube. Check out our Instagram. And I look forward to talking with you next week. Yeah, man. And check out all the great episodes of Owls Oil and the Owls Oil Show on Hayes Radio. Catch it every week in the mailer. And we're going to be bringing you lots of great content and episodes. Thank you, my brother. All right, peace. Thank you very much.
You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. 